Kristen Rosecki, and she is an advanced level eventing trainer and professional rider, and she is in the Chicago area in Illinois, and I worked for Kristen um, two winters ago down in Aiken, in Aiken, South Carolina, and it was such an amazing experience. I wanted to bring her on the podcast and share her experience and her knowledge with you guys and everything, so um here's Kristen. Kristen, you can say hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> okay, so how we're going to get this started is Kristen's going to take us back and tell us how she got her start into riding and a little bit of how she made it to where she is today. So here, you can lead us into that. Um, so it is kind of funny how I got into riding. Um, my family is not from a horse background at all. Um, I grew up in a really nice neighborhood and we had some close family friends of ours that lived across the street and um, the mom, her name was Kathy, was a big time animal lover and her daughter Crystal was my best friend when I was really young. So Kathy had actually signed Crystal up for riding lessons and there happened to be a barn across the cornfield. I grew up in uh, Homer Homer Glen, Illinois. (laughs) So you could see the barn from um, our neighborhood. So when I heard Crystal was going to do riding lessons, I immediately wanted to go with her. So my mom ended up signing me up and Crystal and I uh, went together to a farm named Cinnamon Creek right down the street. And I took my first lesson and it was immediate. Like I, I fell in love with it, like nothing I've ever experienced before and probably still haven't to this day. I remember walking into the barn. I remember what the trainers looked like. I remember the horses in the the main aisle. I could probably recite all the lesson horses to this day. So it was um, an immediate obsession. And I knew that that was something I wanted to continue doing. So um, I was very lucky that I happened to walk into the most amazing barn. I'm still really good friends with the owner. Her name is Dee Dee Boninger. She's like a second mother to me. Um, I'm still friends with the lady who taught me how to host a trot. Her name's Mara Gluns. I met my um, kind of, you know, the trainer that probably has taught me the most. Her name's Jennifer Doherty. I met her there as well. And I still stay in contact. I mean, probably six weeks ago, I did a a big um, kind of barn party where I see all these people who have known me since I was a kid. So uh, it was a great experience. They kind of pointed me in the right direction. Um, as I, I had kind of gotten my feet wet into eventing then. And then when I turned 16, I had saved a bunch of money. My parents didn't, <laughs> didn't really have any money to support my riding habit. They were able to help me initially get in, into it. But then by the yeah. time I was about 13, um, I had to take over all the bills if I wanted to keep riding. So I worked a ton. I babysat every chance I could. I worked at a dog groomer and dry <laughs> dogs and I saved and saved and saved. And my goal was once I turned 16 and I had a driver's license, I wanted to go be a working student for Jen Doherty who had moved up to Barrington Hills. So I think I had saved like $3,000, which for me was like, I thought yeah. was the most money I'd ever have in all my life. For so, sure. Um, I used that money for that whole summer. I drove up. It was an hour and 10 minutes up to Barrington, and I would work at Jen Doherty's farm, and then I would drive home. And I did that all summer long, and 
Um, from there, I ended up never wanting to go back down to the original boarding barn. So my last year of high school, I did that same commute every day. And thankfully, you know, I, I kind of mentioned how I had to, um, you know, beg, barter and plead to pay my, my own way, you know, even as a teenager. And thankfully I had a lot of really supportive people that, you know, made that doable for me, you know, from Mm -hmm. my farrier giving me a break to Jen Doherty, letting me work things off to a boarding farm, letting me water horses at night. I mean, just creative ways Mm -hmm. to pay my bills. You know, I had a really close friend of mine that was a vet, Dr. Mike Smith, who um, took pity on a a poor kid (laughs) and would do a lot of work at a very reduced rate for me. So I was, and actually he took me to horse shows. So um, I had a a really awesome support network that helped me kind of continue my passion when I think uh, it would have been really hard to make ends meet without that support network. So um, worked for Jen for a few years. I ended up graduating high school a semester early. I then took a year off after that to um, keep riding. I wanted to do, I had already made the team uh, for Young Riders Area 4. And at that time it was a one-star, so now two-star team. And I wanted to Mm -hmm. make the three-star team the following year. So I, I took a year off. And I also had this really sweet job working for an upper level dressage rider down the street. So Mm -hmm. I would spend my mornings working for a lady named Julie Julian. And that was a paying job. And then in the afternoons, I'd go work for Jen Doherty. And that was mostly a bartering job. And um, at the time I worked for Julie, I think I was probably 18, 19, 17, 18, 17 and 18. Um, she had injured her back and I just fell into a wonderful opportunity because she kind of used my body as her body. So I got to ride all of these really fancy, nice upper level horses and I would get lessons on them. So she would sit and she would teach me on every single horse. And, um, I just had horses handed to me and I got to learn all of the fun tricks. Um, I was able to compete up through pre-St. George so that was pretty cool experience. So I did that. Um, and then after I took my year off, I went to school at University of Minnesota and um, was only there for a semester. And it was very hard trying to make financial ends meet. So um, and I had brought a horse up with me when I went to school at Minnesota. And, um, I think one of the questions you were going to ask me is how did I decide to do horses professionally? Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a funny story that connects into this. So I'm at Minnesota and I have no money and I've got to pay my board and I need to eat. So I ended up applying to Domino's pizza and (laughs) I worked there for three days and it was horrible. It was, they we're trying to teach me how to make pizzas. We're trying to teach me how to fold boxes. And then the final straw was they put me on the phone to answer. And I <laughs> am a little bit shy. So it was the worst experience of my life, sitting on the phone at Domino's Pizza answering orders. So going back to me being a little bit shy, there was this beautiful farm that was down the street from where I was boarding my horse. And um, 
after the Domino's pizza on day three, I was like, I can't do this. So I ended up walking into that farm and asking if they'd hire me and they ended up hiring me. So, um, it was pretty much from there forward. I knew that I was going to have a really hard time working a normal job and mm-hmm. being away from horses. I'm, I'm really my most confident self and I'm the happiest when I'm around horses. So, um, so back to school, I kind of decided that financially it was going to be a stretch to try to stay um, in school. So I ended up taking a working student position with Jan Binney. So I met her and her team out in Aiken, South Carolina, and uh, she was able to kind of try me out. And I was able to try her out for a couple months while we were there. And then she decided to hire me full time to come back with her to her farm in Virginia. So um, I was there for about a year and a half. I met some amazing people. Um, Pippa Moon was working for Jan at the time. Lillian Hurd was working for Jan at the time. So, um, you know, I was only there a year and a half, but if you hear me talk about it, it seems like I was there for 10 years. So a lot <laughs> yeah. happened in a little amount of time. And, um, and then after I did that, I came back to, uh, the Chicago area. And since then, um, at first I started working, kind of got my foot in the door at a lesson barn and started, um, just teaching kind of low end lessons. And then, um, since then my job's kind of evolved. I now manage a farm out in Barrington Hills. Um, I was able to take some clients that I met at, uh, the, the teaching barn and they actually stayed clients of mine for about 15 years. They're my best clients. So, um, they came out here to Barrington with me and supported my business and, um, had them forever. And then since then, my, my business now is, uh, a little bit of like a boutique style eventing business. And I don't keep a ton of clients, but the clients I do keep, I cater to really well and, um, put a lot of time and effort into them and their horses. And that's where I'm at today. Awesome. Well, thank you. That's so awesome. And really explaining how support how much of a supportive career you had growing up is so awesome because I think as people are growing up, it's really hard to find that crew and find the good support people to have behind you as you come up. So this leads us into our next little discussion. As we went through your business and everything, I think another part is to like talk about the good and the bad of your business and what you really like and what you don't like. So what is your absolute favorite or your best part about what you do as your job? I have the most beautiful life. Honest to God. <laughs> like I have been living in the same house at the same property with the barn on it for this is my 14th year. So I was hired when I was 21 and, um, when I got the job, it's, it's so funny when you're young, it's like you, you think a couple of years is so long. And I remember thinking, yeah. oh my gosh, if I could just stay here for three years, that would be amazing. And here I am 14 years later and it is beautiful up here. It's, um, Barrington Hills is notoriously a very horsey area and, um, the whole area is kind of five acres or more. And a lot of the properties here have little barns in the backyard and a cooperative riding trail system. And, um, it's just a very horsey area. So 
you know, you ask me the best part of my job and it's like the places this job has taken me is just far beyond anything that I ever expected for myself. And I get to wait. It sounds so cheesy, but I wake up every day and I walk down a sidewalk and I walk into a barn and I get to hang out with my favorite people all day long and ride horses and teach lessons. It's, you know, they, they say, what's that saying about, you know, if you, if you, you know, do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah, for sure. You know, that is truly like, when I hear people complaining about their jobs and sitting in a chair all day and being in an office and cranky people and commuting and, you know, I'm so spoiled. So I yeah. would say, you know, and, and I do say that sometimes it's like, okay, I need to think my younger self because, you know, I am really fortunate, you know, like yeah. most people, my reality isn't reality. It's, it's, yeah. Lazy. Most people don't get to live out their dreams, so. Right. You're living the dream. Living the dream, that's right. (laughs) So now we're going to take it back a little bit into like a harder place for your job. Like what's one of the hardest things you've had to deal with with your job or like the hardest part about it? So like if we're just talking about the job itself, what's the hardest part of my job? It's there's a lot of commitment to it. So yeah. because I manage the property, I'm responsible for these horses 24 seven. So um, I think as I'm getting older, I'm, it's not as big of an issue, but remember I took this job when I was 21. So when you're in your twenties and you want to go have mm-hmm. fun with your friends and you know, all of the holidays and new years and you know i didn't really have a a normal 20s experience you know Mm -hmm. like i had friends living in chicago and i couldn't just jump on the train go to the city have a good time and come back when i wanted to so definitely the the level of commitment you know, even like I have a niece and nephew, like trying to get to their birthday parties, you know, I have to kind of plan it around. Okay. When can I get away from the farm? Mm-hmm. Can I get somebody else to feed for me? Yeah. I want to go on vacation. So that when it comes to the actual job, that's by far the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're t- talking about like, okay, you know, if I had to pick my hardest day at this farm, mm-hmm. it's obviously when an animal's sick and yeah. you have to make a hard decision. So, yeah. you know, my worst days have, have definitely been because I've lost a good friend, you know, yeah, for sure. Friend. But if we're talking about just the job description, it's just the level of, you know, how tied down I am to the property. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I understand that. So now like when you look back on your life and how far you've come, cause you've really come such a far away from little beginner lessons. And now look at you, you're owning your own business. You have clients that are awesome and you're selling horses, you're showing and competing yourself and being so successful. So to you, like what is your absolute favorite moment and what is like your biggest accomplishment for you? Oh, that's so easy. <laughs> so, um, a few, well, I think it was 2016. I finished my first advanced and it was on my favorite horse of all times. <laughs> and she had had a lot of injuries and things that had happened along the way that, um, 
made me believe that was never going to happen. So it Mm -hmm. was this really surreal moment. Um, I went to Poplar and ran the advanced at Poplar. And when I had walked the course, there was a big water combination at the end of the course. And then once you got through there, you kind of galloped up the hill and you had one or two more jumps. I think it was just the last jump. And I remember when I walked the course thinking, if I make it this far, I'm going to be crying. Because <laughs> I always somehow, like, it's almost like the more you want something, something silly happens. You know, you miss a flag yeah. or you skip a jump mm-hmm. or um, I feel like sometimes a little bit cursed that way. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, that, that advanced, I remember clear as day jumping through that last combination and galloping up the hill and being like, is this a dream? Like, there's no way <laughs> yeah. I did this. And then I, like, jumped the last jump, went through the flags, and then, like, I'm waiting for an official to come stop me. <laughs> and tell me I missed a jump. And, like, so, um, and then yeah. once that didn't happen, um, I had this wonderful friend named Lacey Love. Well, Lacey Fletcher now. And, uh, she was, uh, I didn't tell anyone I was doing it because I didn't want any pressure. And she was the only person I told I was going to do my first advance. <laughs> so she showed up. And as soon as she met me at the finish line, we were both crying like babies. So <laughs> that was hands down the most amazing. Yeah, that that's done. awesome. Yeah, it was very cool. That's awesome. That's so exciting because I know you brought that horse up a lot and you went through a lot with her and so that must have been so so exciting for you and everything yeah yeah awesome so as a young rider coming up right now I know there's a ton of people that are looking and doing working student positions and then they get to the point where they're like well do I want to continue this or do I want to go to school and then some of them are just get so burnt out they're just like I can't do this anymore I don't enjoy it anymore so then they go the college route have you ever had to deal with burnout and like, what's the way that you worked through that? Um, for sure. I think especially when I was younger, um, and I struggled financially, I worked a ton, pretty much if anyone was willing to pay me, I was doing it. So, Mm -hmm. um, and at that point I didn't really have any options. I always say, the most inspiring thing is being broke. I know that sounds horrible, (laughs) but when you have no money, it is amazing all the things you will do because you have to. So, um, you know, when I was younger, I didn't really have an option. It wasn't like I had the option to walk away because I needed to work. I needed to support myself. So, Mm -hmm. um, I would say, you know, as my business improved and as I was able to start saving some money and have some different options for myself, um, certainly I will get burned out. So what I've realized for myself is it, it happens kind of like in a cycle for me where, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I get to go for the winter. I usually winter in Aiken this year. I'm actually going to go to Ocala, which is exciting. But when I get down there, it's a lot of work in a small amount of time. So then when we get back, it's in April. And um, thankfully here in Chicago, the show season, you know, doesn't run very long. It starts kind of end of May and it runs till, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe end of October. So what I've started to do the last few years to help keep myself from getting burned out is 
I work really, really hard when I'm in Aiken, and then I get home in April, and when the weather's not very good, I don't work nearly as hard. And the, the biggest thing is I don't let myself feel guilty then. So if mm-hmm. the weather is junky and it's raining, or even if it's drizzling, or if I, I wake up and it's too cold or whatever, I just tell myself, I'm not riding today. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I pick months where keeping the horses going isn't nearly as important. And then, yeah. you know, the, the other side of that is after show season here wraps up in Barrington, um, I try to keep the horses going until December 1st. And as soon as December hits, a lot of times I take the month of December off. So, um, you know, in, in the last few years, I'll try to go on vacation and visit friends and um, it usually works out nicely that the girl who works for me here, her name's Taryn. She's wonderful. Um, we almost kind of split the month. So she'll get two mm-hmm. weeks off and then I'll get two weeks off. So I, I think the biggest thing for me to keep myself from being burned out is taking times of the year where I'm not going to beat myself up if I'm not out there killing myself to get every horse yeah. written, you know, and, yeah. and then when I do take time off, telling myself not to feel guilty about it. I think this industry is very much, you know, like work, 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 work. And yeah, for sure. Guilty when you're not working. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to kind of, you know, certainly take it seriously and, and do what needs to be done. But then for me, it's finding times of the year where maybe it's not nearly as important to be so consistent and then not feeling bad when I take a little bit of a break. Yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely a huge balancing act and making sure you give yourself a little moment to step away so then you're not just always in this high-intensity mindset the whole entire time. Yes. Perfect. So as riders, we're always, always learning something new all the time. So what is like one of the biggest lessons you've learned from horses other than like working hard? Like, Right. Yeah. So I would say, I would say, so one of the things that I've learned about myself through horses, is I'm really, really gritty. Like if things are going wrong, you want me on your team. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I have a horse that has an injury, like I will rehab them to like the nth degree, you know, mm-hmm. or you know, if, if a horse is sick or if like when things go wrong, like I'm not saying I, I'm certainly not somebody who doesn't panic. You know, some people can watch a horse get hurt and they don't panic. That's not me. I'm not saying that like, you know, when there's an emergency, I'm the girl for the job. Yeah. What I am saying is, you know, if there's something that's hard, I rise to the occasion. So when I was young and I didn't really have any financial backing, I worked really hard. You know, mm-hmm. I had an amazing horse that had done soft tissue and I was out there rehabbing her beyond what I probably should have been. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Or a girl that worked for me, her horse's eye ended up having a fungal infection and I'm up every two hours, you know, giving her a break. Like I'm really, really good at jumping in and getting what needs to be done, done. So I think, yeah. you know, and just managing animals in general like it they can be so heartbreaking so you know yeah I'm, I'm much grittier than I ever realized I was 
Yeah. And I would totally agree that you're like a huge asset to have to any team. And I know that from working for you because you were so valuable with helping me with Jazzy and then you helping me with my cancer and taking my horse under your wing meant a lot. So very thankful for that. You're so sweet. Okay. <laughs> so my pleasure she was me just, and my crying crap no, no she was, she's a wonderful horse and you're a wonderful rider and uh, it was it was my pleasure to be able to be a supportive person for you for sure yeah I really appreciated it okay so one of my as a young rider questions I really like to hear like advice from top level professionals because it's so valuable like as we're coming up like what is your biggest advice to maybe that young and up and coming rider who's like wanting to do this full time and wanting to figure this out with whatever means that means for them like what is your advice that's easy so um for me what has brought me the most success uh, professionally is I'm very honest, right? I'm very, very fair mm-hmm. and I work really, really hard. So, you know, especially when I was younger, you know, if you're younger and you don't have a big support system behind you. And I, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say that because I did, I had a really big support system behind me. It just wasn't financial, right? I didn't yeah. have parents yeah. that were contributing. So I had mm-hmm. to pay my way through yeah. And, um, you know, especially people want to help young people who they see are hard workers and are good people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, certainly I had to work really hard in order to afford my horse, yeah. but people saw, you know, a, a kid who was making a lot of sacrifices and showing up and watering horses and picking mm-hmm. stalls and riding horses and yeah. you know, showing up on holidays and, you know, people want to get behind good people who work hard. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I think, you know, it, it's easy to be like, well, I don't want to do that because it doesn't, I don't need to, I don't need the money or I don't. And realistically, like people see, like people are watching you, you know, if you're a young rider, like, you know, everyone's watching you and they want to get behind the people that work hard. So yeah, um, that, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, be a good person, do the right thing, work really hard and success will come. Awesome. That's super great advice. Thank you so much. So as we wrap things up, um, I know you've talked a little bit about your horse, but do you want to tell us about your heart horse or your favorite horse out there? And then that'll take us to the end. Oh my gosh. So I could talk about her all day, but I'll spare you. So my most favorite horse in the whole world, her name was Phyllis. Um, and it's kind of a wild story. So, um, I, I spoke earlier about a woman I worked for named Jennifer Doherty here in Barrington. And she did a lot of, uh, young horse sales. So she would do a lot of track horses and, um, I was kind of her, her rider. So, she had Phyllis as a three-year-old. I actually went down with her to the breeding farm and picked her and another horse up. And I rode Phyllis quite a bit as a three-year-old and then um, then got her back after that winter as a four-year-old and rode her a ton. And I don't think I've ever sat on a horse that I fell in love with so quickly. Like, I, it was 
She was just, I thought she was the most amazing thing at the time. I was probably 17, 18. Um, so unfortunately I tried to buy her. I had no money. I still had my young rider horse at the time. Um, tried to get my grandfather to help me buy her. People were like, no, you're going to school. So I ended up going to school. And then, as I said earlier, I ended up out in Virginia mm-hmm. and, um, Jen ended up keeping Phyllis and competing her beginner novice, novice training. And then, um, when I was out in Aiken working for Jan, Jen had somebody, um, buy Phyllis. And I was there when Phyllis was getting on her trailer and heading to the West coast. And, um, I remember being like, all right, that's it. That's the last time I'm going to see her. And, um, lo and behold, less than a year later, Phyllis was diagnosed with kissing spine and, um, had gotten, you know, quite unrideable for the owners. So, um, they had decided that she wasn't doing well in their program. And based on, uh, their vet's advice, they didn't think she would be able to, um, hold up to be an event horse. And would require a lot of maintenance if she was even doing lower level eventing. So um, at that point, I was given the opportunity to take Phyllis as a rehab horse. So um, I took her just because I had always wanted a horse. <laughs> and I wasn't really sure um, what I was going to be able to do with her. But, yeah, you know, it's funny. Sometimes a, a lack of opportunity points you in a direction. You know, so because I always had limited resources to buy Mm -hmm. horses, you know, I'm not sure if I had a lot of money behind me, if I would have taken a chance on Phyllis. Um, Yeah. But when somebody's like, Hey, I've got this horse, you know, it's a rehab project. Certainly I'll take her. Um, Mm -hmm. And she ended up being just the most amazing horse I ever had. She, so I got her in 2008 Um, and I ended up running like two training levels on her and then bumping her up to prelim. I barely by the skin of my teeth got her qualified for AECs that year. And AECs were here in Wayne, Illinois, just 45 minutes from where I live. So qualified by the skin of my teeth and she ended up winning the prelim horse division at AECs that year. So that was pretty cool. And then, um, the following year, I moved her up to intermediate and she ran a bunch of intermediates really competitively. And, uh, I finished the year by doing the mid South at the time. It was the one star long mm-hmm. format, or I'm sorry. Um, well, so right now it'd yeah. be the two L right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, she ended up winning that. So that was super, super cool. Yeah. And, um, the following year I was, conditioning her, hoping to take her to Jersey Fresh. And she ended up bowing both front tendons on a conditioning set. It was the very last Mm -hmm. set I was doing with her before I brought her home. And they were both classified severe bows. And I was told by the original vet said, you know, she probably won't be an event horse. You know, the chances Mm -hmm. of her re-tearing are high. Um, I took her down to Haggard for a second opinion. And that vet was a little more positive and told me, you know, I wouldn't tell you to have her, you know, be your first string. He's like, but if I were you, he's like, I'd get another horse, focus on that horse and let Mm -hmm. her be your B string and see what happens. And, um, 
as I was rehabbing her from the tendons, she ended up getting recurrent uveitis in her left eye. So um, then she ended up going blind in the left eye. She had a cataract and um, by the end of the year, she couldn't see in her left eye. So at this point I had the most wonderful horse and now she's got two bow tendons that go from just below her knee to just above her fetlock. And she's blind in her left eye. And remember, she had kissing spine. That's how I ended up getting yeah. in the first place. So um, at that point, I was like, okay, you know, I guess I'll rehab her and let somebody mm-hmm. be Sarah as a lower level horse. Yeah. You know, she wasn't really going to be a hunter or maybe she could have done the yeah. jumpers. But it's like maybe she'll just go do low, lower level eventing. So I rehab her. I get her going again. I had kind of found somebody that wanted to lease her and she was just really quirky. She need, needed a lot of turnout. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had, she was pretty girthy. If you didn't put the saddle where she wanted it, or if you girthed her too quickly, she looked like she was an unbroke Bronco. Um, <laughs> just, just a bit quirky. You know, if you put a, to the day she died, if you put a blanket on her, she acted like she'd never worn a blanket before and she can her off bucking. She's just <laughs> A really quirky horse. So um, when it was coming time to send her off on her lease, I was starting to be like, oh, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. And she needs you to do it this way. And she doesn't like this. And you have to use this saddle pad and, you know, all this stuff. And then I was like, you know, like, this is crazy. I'm just going to yeah. I love this horse. So I just was like, I'm just going to do what I can do on her. And then if she ends up re-injuring, she'll have a home for life with me. And, um, and she ended up going on and doing a lot more after that. She did Richland park, the CIC, it was two star, now three star quite a few times. Um, as I said, she ended up running three advanced with me. I got her qualified. My goal on her was always to do a four star, and I did get her qualified for that. And then that spring when I took her, well, I guess winter, um, I took her back to Aiken and started conditioning her. And I just, I got to this point where I just loved her so much and realized yeah. that physically it was hard for her. And I wasn't able to do the amount of conditioning that I felt was necessary. And I wasn't mm-hmm. really able to jump her to size regularly enough for me to feel like I was in, you know, tuned up enough in order to mm-hmm. run at the big fences. And, um, really it came down to this, this, you know, if I, if she ended up getting hurt, like I couldn't forgive myself. So yeah. I ended up retiring her when she was 17 from upper levels. And then after that, um, she had a couple seasons with an amateur just doing beginner novice and novice. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I lost her to colic in 2020. Mm-hmm. So I um, ended up trying to do colic surgery and, you know, true to herself, she was tough as nails and we thought she mm-hmm. was going to pull through and she ended up recolicking about two weeks later. So yeah, um, I don't have her anymore, but I certainly have plenty of stories and memories and pictures. And, yeah. Um, she was just the most inspiring thing I've yeah. ever had in all my life, you know, coming coming from a background where I didn't have a lot of opportunities handed to me and I felt a little bit like I was the underdog, you know, there couldn't have been a more perfect horse for me because there was every reason in the world that she shouldn't have done what she did and she did it anyways. So she will always be close to my heart. Yeah. 
Well, that's amazing. And I'm so glad that you guys got to live your life together. And that's just such an amazing journey that you guys went on together. So as we wrap up, if people want to get in contact with you, do you have any openings now? Or like, how would they get in contact with you maybe? Yeah, so um, I'm not big on social media. I do have a Facebook account. I kind of got in early and um, haven't really uh, done the Instagram or TikTok or whatever you kids are doing these days. Um, So if you want to find me, you can probably hunt me down on Facebook would be the the best way to do it and uh, send me a message there. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm based here in Barrington Hills. It's an hour west of Chicago from April 1st until January 1st. And then um, typically I've gone to Aiken for the winter and take a lot of training horses down with me and um, very much cater to clients that want to fly in and, um, you know, do a a week of training and then have to fly home. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in kind of catering to schooling and showing and whatever needs to get done in that time. So, um, this year, like I said, our plan is to go to Ocala instead of figure, got to see what that's all about. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, of course, I'm always happy to talk to, uh, anyone that is wanting to meet me or come see my business. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate all your advice and you're such an inspiring person. So I thank you so much again. So you're so sweet. You inspire me as well, girl. Oh, (laughs) so thank you for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Of course.